the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back and happy Monday, December 18th, 2023. I am Seth Leaps and I see Mr. Bill to my right. To my north, I would usually see Mr. David Dahl, my producer, but in the interstices between David and myself is one great Sam Stone, about which more anon. Like, and, like any yes. quality offensive lineman, hard to see around. <laughs> He plays a great center. And uh, Terry behind him. A major headline came across my transom, and I heard Mike Gallagher pick it up on his show this morning. A new Harvard-Harris poll shows that while overall 81% of Americans support Israel over Hamas, a whopping 51% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the U.S. want Israel to lose to Hamas. That is surprising, and yet it is not surprising. Why would a population who, by the same percentages as we've detailed here for the past several years, support socialism and communism over capitalism by about 49 to 50 percent, and the same population, 50 percent of which gets an F in American history, again, as we've been laboriously documenting for years, why would it not associate itself favorably with a violent anti-Western terrorist organization, movement, and set of goals opposed to Western pluralism? This is the culmination of much effort, all of it working out exceedingly well for the left. As Thomas Sowell put it, quote, ours may become the first civilization destroyed not by the power of our enemies, but by the ignorance of our teachers and the dangerous nonsense they are teaching our children. In an age of artificial intelligence, they are creating artificial stupidity, close quote. Pardoning any vainglory and wanting to amend Dr. Sowell, I'm not so sure the teachers are ignorant. They are ignorant of what we know, to be sure, but they are well steeped and seeped and trained in their own orthodoxies. What orthodoxies? Daniel Buck describes it well, quote, I studied for a master's degree in education at the University of Wisconsin in 2015. My program was batty. We made Black Lives Matter friendships bracelets. We passed around a popsicle stick to designate whose turn it was to talk while professors compelled us to discuss our lives' traumas. We read poems through the lenses of Marxism and critical race theory in preparation for our students doing the same. And our final projects were acrostic poems or iconic rap videos. At the time, I figured my experience was unique. As I would study otherwise, I learned it was not. That's graduate school, folks. That's graduate school for teachers. And sure enough, why or how could it be otherwise? As we've detailed, the left gets to our youth at young ages. Teach your children well. You can get that instruction from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, as you can get it from King Solomon. Plato in his Republic puts it this way, quote, Shall we just carelessly allow children to hear any casual tales which may be devised by casual persons and to receive into their minds ideas for the most part the very opposite of those which we should wish them to have when they are grown up? We cannot. Anything received into the mind at that age is likely to become indelible and unalterable, and therefore it is most important that the tales which the young first hear should be models of, ver of virtuous thought. Then will our youth dwell in a land of health, amid fair sights and sounds, and receive the good in everything, and beauty, 
The effluence of fair works shall flow into the eye and ear like a health-giving breeze from a purer region and indelibly draw the soul from the earliest years into likeness and sympathy with the beauty of reason. Close quote. Now, when you think about that noble training, I think it's worth pointing out that we actually need to be taught that ourselves. I think I know why we need to be instructed in this, and it goes back to something Roger Scrutton once wrote. All the best things we have when abused will cause bad things to happen. You can plant into a child good as much as you can plant bad. You can plant the beauty of reason, and you can implant the ugliness of bad passion. Our opponents know that. We should, too. When the beat poet Allen Ginsberg visited Norman Podhoritz in the 1950s trying to convert him to his leftist countercultural point of view and Norman was having none of it, Allen departed screaming, we will get you through your children. Somehow I think the left understands this better than we do. Take the magazine Teen Vogue. It says its main audience is preteen girls. That would be 10, 11, and 12-year-old girls. If you go to its website, you will find article after article praising communism. I don't mean ideas one could call communist. I literally mean communism. They make no bones about it. Who is Karl Marx is one story. And aside from its praise of Marx and communism, it interviews two teachers on how they teach communism in their classroom, presumably so parents or other teachers might do the same. You get all kinds of lessons from these teachers, including how violence is what gave birth to capitalism. The last paragraph in that article I'm mentioning is this, quote, While you may not necessarily identify as a Marxist, socialist, or communist, you can still use Karl Marx's ideas to use history and class struggles to better understand how the current sociopolitical climate in America came to be, close quote. This is for preteens. In other words, if the name Marx or the word communist is too hard to swallow, just use the ideas and don't tell them what it is. How do you think it would work if I said, you know, if the word Nazi is too hard, just use Nazi ideas? Well, we don't have to think that way. We've spent a lot of time detailing how much our schools, museums, laws, and other institutions engage in the qualitative dividing of people by race and ethnicity. You might say that's the first step to making ideas become, shall we say, in vogue. It's not a one-off column at Teen Vogue, by the way. They have articles praising Vladimir Lenin. They have articles arguing for the abolition of police. Now, in case you thought Teen Vogue was alone, it's not. There's something that reaches even more children, the Cartoon Network. And they've partnered with the National Black Justice Coalition to help instruct children not on matters of race, per se, but on their own gender. I was going to say sexuality, which would be bad enough, but they go further, gender. In fact, here's a tweet from the Cartoon Network. Quote, Here's to not only normalizing gender pronouns, but respecting them, too. Whether you use he, she, them, or something else, we acknowledge and love you! Exclamation point, close quote. By the way, that's for an audience a bit younger than preteens. Cartoons are for children half that age. And by the way, in case you wanted to forgive the Cartoon Network for partnering with an anodyne-sounding organization like the National Black Justice Coalition, you should know it's an organization devoted to and dedicated to, as they tell you, quote, serving primarily lesbian, gay, bisexual, and gen- transgender people. And by the way, the Cartoon Network tweets links to something called the Gender Justice Toolkit. Ironically enough, if you go to that publication, it opens up with an encouraging quote from Malcolm X. Now, Malcolm X was many things. A supporter of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender lifestyles would not been among them. Indeed, 
The Nation of Islam is identified by nearly every left-wing civil rights watchdog group from the Anti-Defamation League to the Southern Poverty Law Center as one of the, as one of the most anti-LGBTQ organizations in the country. Never mind any of that, because so too would Hamas be, that our youth want to see victorious. They go one better, though, than the Nation of Islam. They don't frown upon or condemn LGBTQ rights. They literally kill their practitioners. But the irony and misdirection from the gender justice toolkit the Cartoon Network links to is not the essence of the problem, nor is the woke young adult population that loves Hamas and LGBTQ rights all the same. The essence of the problem is that we are instructing our youth in rot and danger and self-destruction. I just saw that in San Francisco on October 8th of this year, one Hatem Bazian, founder of SJP or Students for Justice in Palestine, shouted through a megaphone, quote, when the colonized takes matters into their own hands, a new man is born, close quote. That is right out of Jean-Paul Sartre's introduction to Franz Fanon's Wretched of the Earth, the book that justified and justifies all violent action in the name of Marxist or national movements. It is the act of violence that makes you an individual of sovereign purpose. And it is no surprise the Palestinian cause is part and parcel of that, receiving succor from our youth as it does, including justifications and defenses of violence. We have a big problem here. We see it in microcosm with this poll on youth wanting medieval ethics and movements to win over liberal and modern ones. If you think this is something we can shirk off, I'm telling you it is not. It may be just as easy to make money tearing down a civilization as building one up, as Rhett Butler put it. But it is easier to tear down a civilization than build up one when, irrespective of profit, the builders and iconoclasts are in the vice grip of teachers wedded to an ideology of hatred. In some, regarding our youth, you cannot misdirect them and assume they will end up okay. And they are not okay because we are misdirected. I'm Seth Leibson. Sam Stone will join me, and you can too when we come right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5080-960. It's a delight to have Sam Stone in studio with me. He usually joins us on Thursdays, and he's the host of his own show, of course, on Saturdays, Breaking Battlegrounds. But he's going to be uh, taking over the helm at about 4 o'clock, so we thought we'd allow him to warm up his voice here. A trumpeter is only as good as his warm-up, so thank you for joining us. I, and now exactly is when I need to choke on my words. So, you know, um, <laughs> no, it, it's always a pleasure, Seth. And man, boy, your monologue today was spot on. I'll tell you one thing that really caught my eye is that contention that capitalism only evolves through violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all about that these days. Right? Which is really interesting because actually capitalism is the only economic system that generally does not evolve through violence and, and historically has not been brought about – um, through violent means, it evolved out of a developing, burgeoning market economy, yeah. and it's been adopted peacefully in many places that were formerly communist and socialist, whereas communism and socialism, I cannot think of a single example where those economic systems rose to power without a revolution. Barrel of a gun. Yeah. 
Barrel of a gun. That's where the power emanates from. I mean, it's it's so telling that it is the they have to give the exact opposite of the truth yes, of to course. try to make their point. Yes, um, and yeah, they do know what they're doing, right? Um, I've used the analogy a number of times, but uh, the the uh, Saxons during the Roman occupation had a saying: "The Romans take our children and send us Romans." Um, the right. Soviets right. understood this very well, that you can teach people to believe almost anything. The Chinese do it. The North Koreans do it. And here we are joining that list mm-hmm. in our educational system, mm-hmm. and it's very deliberate. Yeah. I mean part of it is frightening because we woke up practically noticing this overnight a few years ago and didn't realize how bad it was. I mean, a lot of us, you among them, of course, have been warning about it. And people kind of thought, you know, well, I guess I'd put it this way. I I was a kook until 2020. (laughs) Well, I just kind of put it this way is um, for decades, and you and I were probably part and parcel of this, you know, when students would come home for fall, Christmas or spring break, um, and spout, you know, philosophers their parents had never heard of from countries that, you know, <laughs> no one had ever heard of. The parents would say things like, well, they'll grow out of it. You know, they'll graduate. They'll get their first paycheck. And, you know, they'll, 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 they'll settle. They'll, they'll normalize. That, that ended up being a lie. That ended up being a lie. And, and, and a lab leak far worse than anything that came out of Wuhan took place here in this country because it came out of our ivory towers and it affected not our lungs but our brains. And that lab leak was this Marxist political thought. But it's not just political thought. It suffuses every part of the humanities. And it has now, as that education scholar Daniel Buck put it, it's just as much reached into our elementary and secondary schools because we're teaching the teachers that stuff. We're teaching and training the teachers in grad schools of education where they have to go, right, to get a certificate. We're teaching them the same stuff. And of course, to get into a good college, you obviously have elementary and secondary schools that are training the students to do what the colleges are looking for. So we have created this entire industry of Marxist leftism that um, is spilling out and into and throughout our, our culture. I don't know if it's too late. I mean, Reagan was right about a lot of things and the ability to lose the delicate area in which you could lose the delicateness in which you could lose freedom in a generation. He said those who have known freedom and lost it and never gained it back again. That's the one thing I'm hoping he's wrong about because he better be. We have to hope he's wrong because we are losing it and maybe have lost it for a generation or two. Um, The question is, this will get folks... uh, Keep your tinfoil hats ready because I'm going straight down the rabbit hole on some conspiracy theories this afternoon when I take over for Seth. But one of the things you see here, and this actually ties to to kind of what I was going to be talking about, is is there an invisible hand guiding this? Is there a group of people that are guiding this at all levels? And kind of my answer now is yes, that there is some sort of organized effort behind what's going on because it's too well thought out. Um, So I actually go back to Barack Obama's reelection when he he was an unpopular president with an unpopular signature health care bill. And he made a decision. The first campaign was about uniting people. 
his second campaign was dividing them. 2012. Yeah, 2012 yeah. was about dividing people where he made a conscious decision. And they talked about it a lot at the time to drive up uh, Hispanic and black turnout to use that as their wedge to win. And one of the ways he did that was by unleashing these DEI Marxist-based theories from the darkest corners of academia. But since it's been unleashed, it's been spread in exactly the right, unfortunately, the right ways to be more effective. So they really hammered it into HR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? you bet. They hammered it, as you you said, into the teaching colleges. Yeah. And they hammered it into uh, the digital world. Sure. And they hammered it into Hollywood. Yeah. So the institutions and the newspapers, obviously – so all the institutions that frame thought for our population and, and then that oversee and serve as the gatekeepers, they were indoctrinated in this theory, these, these horrid Marxist ideas, and they've spread them through every institution. The bulwark in the past that you mentioned, grow up kid, you know, is that you'd go to a corporation mm-hmm. and yeah. you didn't have a woke <laughs> – Right. DEI department. Liberals used to have bumper stickers about getting rid of corporations. Now they they run those too now. Yeah, you don't see that anymore. You don't hear them yapping about dark money much. (laughs) You hear us yapping about the corporations. Right. (laughs) Um, And so they're using these things very effectively to button down and erase opposition. And what is most terrifying to me is that. Here under the Biden – and it was happening to Trump in his term and before, as we saw with the deep state operation to uh, keep him – you know, have him lose to Hillary Clinton with the Russia collusion thing, uh-huh. yeah. to destroy his presidency, to hide the Hunter laptop, to the prosecutions of him now. Now they are taking the levers of government power and adding it into all that soft power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And boy, when you combine a system that has no outs in hard or soft power anymore, that's what worries me. That's what leads to that question. Can we escape and return to the freedoms this country was built on? It's the question I ask myself now almost every single day because this is the thing in life Maybe that in some ways that I value the most. Yeah, that's right. And we think about, you know, a presidency or a presidential term being able to turn it around. It's going to take a lot more than that. It's going to take a lot more than that. Let's do our culture and economy update. And then when we come back, I'd love to hear from uh, from you some more on this. I'm Seth Leibson. <coughs> He's Sam Stone and guest. Feel free. Jamie Kleshek is yes. going to be joining me. She is an original Breaking Battlegrounds member, so she's going to be joining me this afternoon, folks. Let us not, she, let us not she, ignore the little classing up that we have in here. <laughs> we, we need it, and she's, she's also here to play Scully to my Mulder, so it's going to be entertaining. Oh, nice. I like that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is Grand Canyon Planning And he brings us our culture and economy update. How are you, J.D.? Good. I was expecting the X-Files to be bringing us in. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're looking forward to that, aren't you? (laughs) Scully and Mulder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Boy, that that it's funny how long ago that show was, but boy, was that that, that dominated. That was as big as Dallas or something in the day. Pretty popular, yep. At Melrose Place. Uh, all right, this is kind of interesting, John. Right up your alley. I'm looking at a piece in the Wall Street Journal. More Americans than ever own stocks. Talk to me about what this means, why it's important, etc. Well, it's interesting because I think that if we um you know, look at the trend that we've been seeing that uh, more and more people are investing in stocks, which I think is a good thing. And, and we're seeing a lot of the younger generation that did get involved in this too, Seth. Uh, and I think what wound up happening, part of this was, uh, I think, COVID. When COVID hit, we saw a lot of people home. A lot of people were, uh, you know, getting these uh, checks from the government and <laughs> they were spending. Yeah. Yes, but they also maybe some of them did something smart and they invested. They listened to you that money and that uh, that helped them but the younger generation was really part of this uh, study as well and what was interesting is is of course we we've all heard of what have been come to be known as the meme stocks uh-huh. right and those meme stocks which uh, ran up in value uh, in ridiculous fashion and many people made a lot of money in a very short period of time only to lose it as well uh, and it was the same when it came to cryptocurrency. I remember speaking to the younger generation, and of course, they all believed they wanted to be the next uh, designer of a cryptocurrency and uh, make their millions or billions of dollars. And of course, we know that there was one very uh, um, prominent person that now has, uh, you know, been, you know, sent off to jail yeah. because of what he did with the money. Um, when it comes to cryptocurrencies. Um, so there was a lot of money made, but the, the story still lends that people are now investing in the market in higher percentages than they have in the past. And I'm interested to see if this is truly going to be a long-term trend or if this is something that's, that's just uh, short-lived. I hope it is a long-term trend because historically, as we look back uh, at the market, um, people can do very well if they are investing in the market um, properly, uh, you know, dollar cost averaging into the market. Many people have 401ks. We've talked about this often, Seth. Uh, and if you are consistent with those contributions to those 401ks, even through good times and bad times in the market, over many years, uh, people have done very well and can build up a nice nest egg so that they could live a comfortable retirement. And I think that's why most people go to work every day. Well, I would think so. One of the interesting things about this to me, John, is with the ever-increasing share of Americans that own shares in mm-hmm. in corporations, I guess that, that's how you would put it, almost 60% now. Whenever I hear these discussions or debates about, you know, Main Street versus Wall Street, I think it's mm-hmm. a false dichotomy because so much of Main Street is intertwined in their financial arrangements, whether they know it or not. It might even just be through Worker 401k. In Wall Street, there, the division, in other words, I think is is less less clear and, and less delineable than people sometimes argue about in political conversations. Yeah, I would I would agree, and it's very difficult. I mean, it's 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 almost impossible if you are going to be an investor that you're not going to uh, have those two paths cross. Yeah. Uh, and and I would say that um, what is interesting is is I'm finding <laughs> that's a great more, point too. I mean, Main Street depends. Yes, of course, there is no right. It depends on the investment of Wall Street. Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, and I'm finding that that most people today um, are really uh, looking for just some – trying to make sense of what's going on in the world and in the economy. Uh, And and many people are fearful 
of what's happening. And yet we're still seeing uh, investors more and more going to the stock market because where else are you going to put your money? As we know, over the past decade, interest rates were so low that keeping money in the bank, you had no opportunity for growth. Uh, so people were moving towards uh, the stock market. And, of course, people get concerned when the market has a major correction, as it did in 2022. Yeah. Uh, but as we're seeing, 2023 actually is turning into a very positive year for stocks. And as we move into 2024, um, we may have a, you know, a reasonable uh, you know, belief that the market is going to do well as, as, uh, as we've seen inflation come down, as we've seen um, – you know, consistent jobs are still being created. Companies are still hiring out there. So there are a lot of positives in the market out there. And I think that people, again, have to take a long-term view when it comes to their investments, Seth, and not try to have a get-rich-quick type of scheme. It just doesn't happen. Uh, but historically, uh, investing properly and working with a good advisor, getting good advice can help you attain that goal of being successful in retirement. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. You bet. Much. Go to GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment with me. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry Tippett, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. God bless you, sir. Talk Thanks, to you tomorrow. Seth. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. Our phone number is 602-5089-60. Sam Stone will be taking over the helm uh, in about uh, 15 minutes or so. But he's here in studio, of course, with his colleague, Jimmy. And uh, we're happy to take your call. We actually, uh, let's see, we have a David in Chino Valley. Hello, David. You're on with Sam and the crew. Well, hello. Uh, I I told your screener that uh, I didn't so much have a question as I wanted to really praise you and Sam for discussing your topic today. Because this, I believe, is very true. I think this was an orchestrated thing. And I know that that was very hard for many people to wrap their head around. How could something be so Machiavellian? How could how could somebody think so far in advance as to know where to put these DEI programs? The comment about it being thrust into HRs, yeah. so, so brilliant. Who could do this? Like, who is behind it? Thank you for talking about it. I'll get off the air and let you guys finish. But, man, you guys are hitting on all cylinders today. Out of the park, fellas. Great work. Very sweet of you. That's very kind of you. Well, Sam, you made the point that uh, they decided to uh, weave this into the fabric of HR. And it's interesting in the sense that um, you get two things with that, don't you? You get mandatory training. You have to – Enforcement. It's in HR, right? You right. get enforcement. You get enforcement. You and get indoctrination and enforcement. You get indoctrination, yes, because you're you 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 are at risk of losing your job if you run afoul of the uh, of the Orwellian laws yes. that the corporation puts down. But then the gatekeeping, yeah, because you start by filtering out just like the Ivy Leagues have done mm-hmm. people who do not share that ideology, right? Right. right. So. It, you know, one of the things that I think we're really, really seeing in society is, and, and look, obviously this has already been true, Seth, and you know this, but ultimately there are two types of people. There are trailblazers and there are followers, right? Um, what they are doing is insisting on a system of followership. Yeah. 
And what you're following is dictated very closely and carefully. So the last thing you want in that type of situation are to be introducing a bunch of trailblazers to your organization or institution, people who are going to look at what you're doing and say, ah, that doesn't look like the right path to me. Let's go up this hill over there. Yeah. The troublemakers are what they're trying to suppress and crush, Mm -hmm. right? And just as in any good Stalinist regime – if you think like a troublemaker, you'll be sent away. You'll be condemned as crazy, not with it, not of the movement, not of the party, not of the revolution, right? The the, uh, the Soviets used to, to say you would be sent to count trees. Count trees, yeah. Right? Because they'd exactly send you right. to Siberia and all there was right. to do was count trees. So. Right. And it but, comes with all the other appurtenances of Stalinism uh, or Orwellian, Orwellianism, a new language, the enforcement mechanism, the inversion of – what you see in common sense. And then there's this weird other part that's perhaps one of the most diabolical, this encouragement to tattletale, this encouragement to report. And, of course, every communist regime knows about that. Yeah, I was about to say, so um, one of the amazing things was when they looked at the records post the fall of the Soviet Union. It turned out that uh, GRU, the internal security mechanism of the Soviet state, had had one-third of their entire population spying on the other two-thirds. One-third of their entire population were paid informers. And so one of the things that happens with that – it's one of the things I think you see with this – all these fake hate crimes mm. where we see the demand for hate crimes on the left far exceeding the supply of mm-hmm, actual mm-hmm, hate crimes. Mm-hmm. The fake ones in yep. particular. One yeah. of the things I think that drives that is the same thing that drove a lot of fake informing mm-hmm. is that if you can't find somebody to inform on or some yeah. hate crime to, to target. Get paid per citations. Yeah. So now pretty soon you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you get paid per citation. Of course, too, what you're going to find more and more of, I fear, is the um, the reporting from children on their parents. You know, the breakup of the family over some of this stuff. You're beginning to see, you know, we're seeing a lot of this in California, Oregon, Washington. It's a little less on the East Coast, um, but it has really come in on the Western uh, coastal states, where parents are being hit with you know, really horrific actions mm-hmm. by the state, having their children taken yeah, away. Yeah, involves children's services yeah, being, and investigations you know, and all Being that. prosecuted right. and all these things um, simply because their value is different than the left progressive value system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I – see this with the pronouns and the gender affirming – yeah, absolutely. Orwellianism. Gen- that's a great Orwellianism, gender affirming. It's about sex changing. Right. <laughs> it's not yeah, affirming no, anything. No, you're not affirming anything. <laughs> right. um, it's also its own its own conversion therapy, which we were supposed to be against too if you right. think about it. Well, you know, look, I always – I sort of laugh, but I, I feel bad for the kids. You know, I forget which Hollywood actress it was who's like, oh, I have three gender nonconforming kids. They're all transitioning, uh, right? Yeah, um, Okay, no, no. You have your ideology and the the pervasive ideology of the left that is being foisted on your children, and you're sitting back while they're doing, and and the school and the government and you are doing permanent lifelong damage to these children, mm-hmm. and that's just it's insane to me. And yet 
On the left, this is celebrated. Yeah. It's odd, too, because it was the left, I think, or elements of what used to be a normal liberal sensitivity or sensibility that society was really organized around the, the mental health and well-being of children. Yes. You know, that really was it. We even got this weird phrase of SEL, social and emotional learning. All of this has been converted and really perverted to create a youth mental health crisis the likes of which we've never seen before. We have implanted so much confusion in our kids. We have so drugged them. We have so psychologized them. We have so catastrophized them that we've lost sight of the goal of the point of society organizing itself to actually just protect them. Go back to the literature teaching parents how to raise their children and the dogmas that are are imposed by the people in that industry. And you see a lot of the roots of this problem, and that's yet another area where you know the the DEI philosophy, the Marxist philosophy, was really taken down to the to the lowest level. And what's astounding about it is one of the, I think maybe the single most important lesson of growing up, Seth, and I, I bet you would agree with me, is learning how to fix your own problems. That that's when you're when you're at the level where figure you figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah. Experiment. And when you can do that, that's when you start becoming an adult. And fail a little. Fail a lot. Yeah. 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 And um now that's not allowed. No. And when a kid fails, everyone around them is made to suffer. And by kid, I'm not talking kids anymore because it's been through two generations of education. Yeah. So now we're talking about people in their 20s. We're talking about children in adult bodies. Yes. Yes. We're talking about a massive arrested development problem. It's enormous. We'll pick up on it when we come right back. Portions of the show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They are headquartered here locally, right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. They invite you to visit with them. You're welcome to do so, as I have done any number of times. You won't be asked to sign anything or get a sales pitch from them if you do. They just like talking about what it is that they do and letting it speak for itself or letting me speak on behalf of them. What they do is uh, give you an investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not tied to the stock market or the federal Reserve tons of flexibility where you're in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. There are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And you get a monthly statement, of course, with no surprises. This secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi may be just right for you. If you don't go visit them, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-Y-REFI. 24. Sam Stone's my guest and uh, will soon be my guest host in about three minutes. Sam, this children in society thing and this liberal left thing, it's so fascinating to me because you and I kind of grew up in the same kind of household and roughly in the same era where what we grew up was there was all this attention on children's mental and emotional health in what I would consider to be a very healthy, good way. For example, just take one. We could do any number of them. But just take one, the issue of race. I mean, whether it was Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or the Electric Company or any of this kind of children's television network or other program, it's all about, you know, race not mattering, race Mm -hmm. being irrelevant. Um, If it came to sex issues, gender issues, remember the Free to Be You, Me album and things like uh, Marlo Thomas talking about be comfortable in your body. You know, if you're a girl, you'll become a mom and a grandma. And that's something boys can never be. That's actually in the lyrics of their songs Mm -hmm. and these best-selling albums. Boy, what a long, strange trip it's been since then. 
Boy, it's a it's a really long, strange trip. And you know, when you said that mental health bit for kids, yep. the first thing that flashed into my mind was sticks and stones yep. may break right. my bones, yep. but words will never hurt me. Yep. Um, we were all. I mean, we were raised on on that kind of philosophy. Yep. And if you want to talk about mental strength. Mm-hmm. Mental strength is being able to overcome things that you don't like, that make you uncomfortable. Cope with it, we used to tell people. Yes. Cope with it. Yes. (laughs) Coping is really important. And being able to, you know, water off a duck's back when someone insults you or when someone says something you don't like, that's good mental health. So, you know, I get all these people say all sorts of horrific things to me on on X, on Twitter, Twix. Um, Here's the thing. Bring it. Yeah. I don't care. No. It's not going to bother me. I'm not ever going to let some stranger dictate my mental state. What they're teaching kids is how to be dependent pansies, and it's awful. Listen to what David's doing for you. It's a nice lead-in. It is a great lead-in. Thank right. you, David. Sam Stone will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.